Welcome back, everybody, to This Week in Japan, the show that brings you the most trending news stories and cultural insights from Japan. Today is November 13th, and we're coming to you live from Akasaka, Tokyo. I'm your host, Julian Domanski, and joining me, as always, is my co host and founder of Japan Insider, Yasuharu Matsuno. Hey, guys, welcome back. So, the results of the election in the US have been the big news in Japan this week. Well, did you see the news yesterday that Suga and Biden had their、uh, first teleconference? And Suga congratulated Mr. Biden for winning the election、mm, and yeah, becoming yeah. the yeah, next president. I did, yeah.、Mm. People were saying it was kind of、uh, unusual for like, people to have a chat before. Before it was kind of official, you know what I mean? But、uh, it makes sense, you know, to、mm. kind of preempt this move. Yeah, as far as I understand, the first telecon that he held was between the. Uh, Prime Minister of Canada.、Mm, that makes sense. Yeah, it makes like, sense. The、right? neighbors, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.、Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and I know there are still some controversies over the results,、mm. but I think, you know, from what we see, that's how the Japanese government has been reacting. Yeah, and it seems like、uh, most people in Japan, from at least from what I can see, have kind of been following the election. People, yeah, very kind of eager to find out who's going to be the next president. But、uh, yeah, we've actually got some. The kind of election related news today, which is、yeah. kind of funny. So,、um, <laughs> yeah, comical one. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into that. <laughs> so, in this episode, we're going to be discussing the following big news stories Crown Prince Akishino becomes the official successor to the imperial throne. A countryside mayor is the Japanese Joe Biden. Nintendo's sales are booming while Sega falls on hard times. And for our random news of the week, a 117 year old will carry the Olympic torch at the opening ceremony. On Sunday, November 9th, Crown Prince Akishino, brother to Emperor Naruhito, was officially declared as the next in line to the imperial throne. The ceremony was referred to as the Rikoshi no Re and was the final ritual required to be formally announced as the Crown Prince. The original Rikoshi no Re was set to take place seven months ago, but had to be postponed due to the coronavirus. Even after waiting, there were still changes in place due to the virus, such as social distancing, the requirement of masks for all guests, and only 46 guests being allowed to attend. Originally, around 350 guests were expected to attend the ceremony. The 54 year old Crown Prince Akishino, together with his wife, the newly crowned Princess Kiko, stood before Emperor Naruhito and Empress Masako and made vows to uphold his duty, saying, I will discharge my duty solemnly, bearing in mind my responsibilities as Crown Prince. The reason for the Emperor's brother to take the title of Crown Prince comes from a lack of viable successors. According to the 1947 Imperial House Law, only males in the family tree can be considered heirs to the throne. This law leaves only Akishino, his 14 year old son, Prince Hisahito, and the Emperor's 84 year old uncle, Prince Hitachi, as possible heirs. Prime Minister Suga has commented on the possibility of problems with succession in the future and has said that the government is currently looking into securing means for future heirs. So, Emperor Naruhito was、um, enthroned last May, right?、Um, mm, mm. May. It was actually on my birthday, May 1st. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah.、Mm. Um, so, it's taken a little while to get around to this succession, right?、Mm. But I think the thing with this is it, it's not like a Clean cut succession because Naruhito doesn't have a son.、Mm. Right. So 
it's more of like a, they have to choose between the other males in the family. Mm. But if he did have a son, then the son would just automatically be the heir. Is that right? Yes. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah. So overall, uh, many Japanese people are happy about uh, having a new crown prince in Japan. Mm. Yeah. But at the same time, there is another side to this story. So I think some people in the West may be questioning why um, the Japanese imperial family only accepts males as the emperor. Ah, right? uh, yeah, I see, I see, right. So as you said in the, the news section, first thing is that uh, Prince Akino is the younger brother of the current emperor mm. and not the emperor's child. Mm. And I think you also know that the emperor has a daughter, Aiko-sama, mm. and she's 18 years old now. Mm. But in Japan, only males are entitled to become the emperor. Mm. But did you hear anyone talking about this news um, amongst your friends? Yes, I don't think with this current story, I've heard anyone really talking about this issue. Mm. But um, it did crop up when uh, Akihito-sama, the previous emperor, announced his abdication about two years ago. Mm. And then he actually abdicated last year, right? Yeah. But just before uh, Naruhito-sama was actually enthroned as the new emperor, um, you know, from an international standpoint, a lot of people admire the imperial family for its kind of history and its cultural value. Mm. Um, but you're right, yeah, that it does come under some scrutiny, I guess you could say, mm. um, especially from Western countries. Mm. So as you implied, the most obvious reason to accept uh, only males mm. or the emperors is to keep the lineage or the bloodline. And... Um, it's a bit difficult to explain all the technicalities without the diagram. Mm. But um, so um, as you may or may not know, men have X and Y chromosomes, while women have double X chromosomes. Mm. And the thing is that the Y chromosome is passed only from father to son. Oh, okay. So to keep the Y chromosome from the first emperor, generations after generations, mm. they only allow man to become the emperor. Oh, okay. That's the, you know, biggest reason. Oh, okay. So going back to the main story, obviously, with mm. Akishino, um, has he made any kind of public statements since uh, being kind of elevated to this position? Yeah, so I'm not sure this time, but a few years ago, he made an interesting comment oh, about okay. uh, potentially becoming a, a crown prince. Mm. And because the current emperor and the prince are siblings, mm. while the emperor is now 60 years old, and the prince is 54 years old. Assuming something happens to the emperor when he's at the age of 80, right? Mm. And the prince needs to succeed the role as the emperor. Mm. He's six years younger, so Mm. he's already 74 years old, right? And he thinks that he can't do it uh, from that age Mm. to take up the role as the the emperor of Mm. Japan. Because... Um, it usually takes dozens of years uh, of preparation to become the emperor, mm. usually uh, since the earliest childhood. Right. You know, almost from the moment you're born, yeah. you know, you're kind of like destined to become the emperor in the future. Sure, sure. But in his case, he had the, the elder brother, so he was treated a bit differently. Yeah, uh, I can imagine, right? Yeah. Right. You know, Prince Akishino himself admits that he hasn't got enough preparation to become the emperor. Mm. But to me, uh, this is another reason why Japan may need to start 
you know, reconsidering the, the current system mm. to be a bit more, you know, I shouldn't like say casually, but uh, be flexible about, you know, who's entitled to become the emperor. Yeah, I think these are completely valid concern. So in Naruhito-sama's case, um, you know, if his reign were to end when he was uh, end of his 80s or 90s or whatever age, his successor is only six years younger. So I think it would make more sense if uh, Aiko-sama, his daughter, who's currently 18, if she were to be prepared as the next empress, then whenever she took on that duty, she would probably be in her, you know, 40s or 50s. Hmm. Yeah, so I know this is a very uh, sensitive, uh, tricky subject, but still, I think uh, it's worth having this kind of uh, discussions. Mm, I think so, yeah. And as an outsider, it's just interesting to learn, you know, a little bit more about the imperial family. Okay, so let's move on to our third political story of the week. Following the recent election results for the United States presidency, Japan has been focusing on the newly elected 46th president, Joe Biden. Out of the many questions and interests that people in Japan have concerning Joe Biden, one question circulating among them is, is there a Biden station? Back when Joe Biden was vice president to Barack Obama, a similar event occurred, and a certain Obama city that was located in Fukui Prefecture, an Obama town in Nagasaki, became a hot topic for a brief time. It even sparked a support group for Obama. With Biden's projected victory, people are discussing locations across Japan that could be read as Biden. One potential is a station in Osaka that reads Umeda-eki, but can also be read as Biden. However, it is simply different readings of the kanji used, and it does not officially go by this name. Even more viral than the station, though, is the mayor of Yamato-cho in Kumamoto Prefecture, Yutaka Umeda. Since the election, he has become quite the celebrity online, The replica Biden seems to be rather pleased with all the attention he's been getting recently and was quoted as saying, it's a great honor. I feel as if I have won the election. So as we mentioned in the story, Yasir, right? Um, Mm. Umeda-san, he has the same name as this station, right? Umeda-eki. And it's the exact same kanji. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But that's kind of why they both can be read uh, Mm. as Biden. Biden. Biden, right? Um, So, I mean, yeah, the name actually, Umeda. Ume is like plum, right? Mm. And da is like... Ta is like a field, mm-hmm. like plum field. Mm-hmm. So I guess it might be, if you translated his name literally to, to English, mm. it might be Mr. Plumfield. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sounds like a nice teacher, <laughs> you know, in a maths class, Mr. Plumfield. <laughs> <laughs> you think? <laughs> but yeah, this is funny uh, because all of a sudden, this man has become one of the most famous mayors across mm. Japan. Yeah. You know? And did you know that even the Washington Post uh, interviewed him? Uh, recently oh, after wow, okay. the yeah election. Interesting. Yeah. And looks like people love him, you know. It seems like that, yeah. Yeah, he looks very friendly and approachable. Mm. I think the combination of his humble character and the name is what's making him an overnight uh, celebrity in Japan. Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you never expect this kind of thing would happen, right? Mm. Yeah, he seems like a super nice guy. Um, And it's just, I wouldn't say it's ironic, but it's quite... Uh, kind of a, a funny coincidence that he's also a mayor already. Mm. So he's already in like politics. Exactly. You know, yeah, and yeah. It's, it, you know, he's not in like the central government, but mayor is still not like a small role, right? He does manage like a whole city in an area. Mm. <laughs> so I think that just makes this story more funny. Mm. <laughs> and also, um, 
I think you know that there are multiple ways of reading、uh, kanji alphabets in Japan, right? Yeah, yeah. And at least、um, I think some of our listeners know this already, but kanji alphabets、uh, originally came from China.、Mm. And so one way to read kanji is called onyomi,、mm. which is close to the pronunciation in Chinese.、Mm. And the other is called kunyomi, which is the Japanese、uh, original way of、uh, pronunciation.、Mm. So,、uh, this mayor's real name is Yutaka Umeda.、Mm. You know, Yutaka is, for, is his、uh, first name,、mm. Umeda surname. But this is in Kunyomi.、Mm. But if you read this in Onyomi,、mm. it could be read as Joe Biden,、mm. right? And what's funny is that,、uh, you know, Mr. Umeda or、uh, Mr. <laughs> you know,、uh, Mayor Biden, I should、mm. say, said he never liked his、uh, first name, Yutaka. Oh, really? Because, I mean, Yutaka is a common name,、uh, but the Chinese character or kanji used for his name、mm. is quite complicated. Oh, okay. You know, when he took the interview, he said that、uh, it was always so hard to write the, his Yutaka or Joe、uh, uh, kanji. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So、um, he, he kind of like complained, that,、uh, complained about that to, to his father. Oh,、uh, okay. Probably now he has a different opinion. <laughs> yeah. It's actually funny you bring that up because when I initially heard the story, as, as funny as I thought it was, I was thinking, you know, Yutaka is quite a common name and、mm. Umeda is quite a common surname. Yeah, true. So, like, I thought there must be more Yutaka Umedas, but just by laws of probability, right? Oh,、uh, yeah. But names always have different kanji, right? Even if it's the same name. So,、uh, there must be yeah, other yeah. Yutakas. It's interesting you mentioned this because I didn't realize he had kind of a, a I guess, like a rare kanji. Because、mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess the more complicated it is, the less likely people want to use it, right? Right, right. <laughs> so maybe that's why he's the only one that has that kanji. Because if your name is Yutaka, but you had different kanji,、mm. the,、uh, the onyomi reading would not be jaw.、Mm. Right? That's、mm. the difference here.、Mm. And I think if you don't know anything about kanji, you might, you might just think that like, another way to say Yutaka is jaw. But that's not the case, right? It's all based on the, the kanji that you have for your name.、Mm. So, like,、uh, like your name, right? How would you read that in、uh, Onyomi? So,、uh, you know, my name, my full name is Yasuharu Matsuno, right?、Mm. I think it, in Onyomi, it becomes like a Taiji. Taiji, okay.、Uh, for Yasuharu.、Mm. And for surname, Matsuno, it can be read as Shoya. Shoya.、Mm. Taiji Shoya. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so、cool. if in any country anyone named Taiji Shoya becomes the president <laughs> or the prime minister of the、yeah. country, it'll be you. <laughs>、mm. <laughs> Maybe I can make headlines of the major news outlets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is super interesting, though. And it's like, you know, something that I can never do, right? Because my name is not Kanji. So、mm. it's kind of cool. You have this, like, you know, or if I ever see someone online called Taiji Shoya, you know, leaving like, You know, mean comments. I'm like, is that Yasu's、uh, <laughs> online alias? <laughs> My replica. <laughs> That's it, yeah. So, yeah, overall, this is just a you know, fun, funny story, right?、Um, so, we wish all the best to、uh, Umeda san or、uh, Biden san, should I say? <laughs> And、uh, I don't know, who, who knows,、uh, in another four or eight years for the next president of America, which lucky Japanese person will become. The, uh, the, the body double <laughs> of the most powerful man on earth. <laughs> okay, so third story of the week is some entertainment news. 
Sega Sammy Holdings, formed by a merger of Sega and Sammy back in 2004, seems to be struggling in the world of COVID after having recently announced that they will be selling off most of their stock for Sega Entertainment. This unfortunately includes almost all of Sega's Japanese arcade businesses. Sega has said that the reasoning for the sale came from a massive drop in earnings due to the coronavirus. While trying to handle the effects of corona, the company has stated that we have established a structural reform committee to reform our organization structure to adapt to the external environment. The company is projecting approximately 10 billion yen in total losses come March of 2021. On the other hand, competitor Nintendo is seeing a record year for overall sales and profit. According to Nintendo's quarterly financial statement that was released back in August, net sales increased by 108.1%, with a total of 358.1 billion yen. Nintendo's operating income was reported at 150.3 billion yen, a whopping 576.2% increase. Nintendo actually owes much of its recent sales to the corona pandemic. Time spent indoors has risen significantly and led to increased sales of the Nintendo Switch. So there's kind of two stories here, obviously. Uh, Big losses for Sega, big wins for Nintendo. Um, Obviously, their profits have just been through the roof. Not because of the pandemic specifically, but it's very, it very much helped them. I think uh, the just impeccably timed launch of Animal Crossing, as we've talked about before, right? Basically, as the world went into lockdown, people wanted to play this game about going to a tropical island <laughs> to escape <laughs> your worries. Um, but it's super sad news about Sega, you know, and especially mm. their arcades, right? They're just so iconic in Japan. Yeah, so, you know, good news and bad news, right? Mm. And uh, I think it's two sides of the same coin. Sure. As, you know, people are spending more time at home. Yeah. They're not going to the arcades to play games. Exactly, yeah. Mm. So I think uh, Nintendo had a great advantage Mm. uh, on this situation. Yeah. But I'm not sure, like, how big was their uh, arcade business Mm. within uh, the entire, you know, Sega group because it's a, you know, big company. Mm. And their main business should be, uh, you know, making games and selling them, right? Not not arcades. I think it's actually quite a large portion. Possibly. Um, Mm. So after they dropped out of, like the console space, you know, after the Dreamcast mm. back in like the early 2000s. Mm. Um, that was basically they fooled back onto uh, arcade stuff. Mm. Yeah. I've always been amazed at how like Sega have retained their their brand image, even like though, you know, their profits have really dropped, you know, decade after decade, you know, especially internationally. But the name Sega is so powerful still. Mm. Mm. Um, but this company, Agenda, Right, this is the company that purchased a yeah. big eighty-five percent uh, of the company, so mm. or eighty-five percent of the operations that Sega has sold. Um, so it's actually all gets a little bit complicated, but I think yeah, for like uh, any, any of you uh, Westerners listening to the show, you're probably only really aware of Sega as a, a game company, right, making titles for you know their own hardware back in the eighties or nineties, or making games for other people's consoles. But uh, in Japan, yeah, they do a lot. They they also make a lot of crane games, don't they? The uh, the mm. grab machines, yeah, and stuff like that. Um, and obviously, super iconic the the Sega buildings in Akihabara, which have kind of been closing down one by one. Mm. Uh, the first one went was it about two or three months ago? Yeah, that's right. And it's sad to see, you know, not only Sega but the arcade business in general mm. are not doing well these days. Yeah. 
especially since、uh, last week. The Japanese government has been mentioning the third wave of corona in Japan,、mm. seeing more than 1,000 new cases per day.、Mm. And I was talking to a friend who runs a restaurant business in Tokyo,、mm. and he said that、uh, he has already seen a dip in the number、uh, of customers in November、oh, really? uh, compared to October. I feel, I don't know, from my point of view, I feel like no one seems to be paying attention to these, like, these numbers, right? Seems to be getting more and more busy outside. But, you know, if he's a business owner, I would trust his judgment a bit more. Well, like,、um, seeing more people outside and whether or not they're drinking at night is a different thing. True, yeah. Yeah, but、um, either way, with such like,、uh, really bad numbers、mm. these days, yeah, it's just a、um, you know, matter of time that,、mm. uh, you know, restaurant or hotel businesses,、mm. uh, anything related to, You know, customers, right? Yeah.、Uh, we will still need to suffer.、Mm. I go to these arcades sometimes, you know. I quite like、uh, Taiko no Tatsujin. Oh, you do? Yeah, I'm quite <laughs> into that game. I just, I just love hitting a big drum with sticks. It's super、uh, fun. But that's always like the most, most popular game whenever I go there. <laughs> yeah, that's a game from、uh, Bandai Namco. Exactly, yeah.、Um, and that kind of brings up like another point is that、uh, Sega and Bandai Namco are probably the, the two biggest game providers for these arcades, right? Yeah. yeah. But I think Bandai Namco are in a bit of a different position because they produce a lot of games for really big franchises.、Mm. Like things like Dragon Ball Z,、mm. and like basically all like the Shonen like jump、uh, franchises.、Mm. If there's a game of it,、mm. it's definitely made by Bandai Namco. That, that's true.、Um, they've also been making games for Nintendo.、Mm. There's a new Zelda game comes out next week,、mm. actually made by Bandai. Yeah, I would say、uh, Bandai Namco is less reliant on the sales from the, their arcade business.、Mm. Yeah, they, they have, as you mentioned, like,、uh, so many big titles for the, the smartphone games. Sure. As well as consoles. So, yeah, all around in the kind of、uh, the game space, entertainment space, it's sad, sad news to see. I know a lot of foreigners really loved the arcades as well. Big hit in Akihabara, right? Very iconic landmarks,、mm. Sega buildings. So,、uh, yeah, if you're stuck at home playing your Nintendo Switch, jump on the store, maybe buy some Sega games.、Mm. Help those guys out. <laughs> yeah, my recommendations are、uh, Persona series、mm. and also、uh, Yakuza series, known as Ryuga Gotoku in Japanese. Oh,、uh, yeah, yeah. Very nice. Yeah. And we,、uh, yeah, go check out our video we made recently about <laughs> the GTA guys in Japan. Yeah. Doing,、uh... GTA ga Gotoku Solid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting. Okay, so let's move on to our final and random news of the week. Kane Tanaka holds the Guinness World Record for the oldest living person at the age of 117. Not only has this woman from Fukuoka City lived an incredibly long life, but she is also staying active. Ms. Tanaka has been asked to participate in the torch relay event for the Olympic opening ceremony that is currently scheduled for May 11th, 2021. She was originally going to participate in the 2020 Olympics, but due to the postponement of the Games, she lost the opportunity. However, she has agreed to do it once again in May of next year, which will put her at the age of 118. The current plan is to have Ms. Tanaka carry the torch for 20 meters while being pushed in a wheelchair by a caretaker. Her 61 year old grandson, Eiji, hopes that seeing her carry the torch will inspire others to continue living. Ms. Tanaka was the seventh out of nine siblings and was born on January 2nd, 1903, only seven years after the start of the modern day Olympics in Athens. 
man, 117. I don't know. Like, it's just incomprehensible, isn't it? Yeah. To be that old. It's beyond my imagination. Yeah. I've got so much, so much respect for this lady. Mm. So cool. Um, but like, even her grandson is 61. <laughs> yeah. Your yeah, grandson like, is 61. Well, that's, yeah. that, that sounds true, crazy, true. right? Yeah. I mean, can you imagine yourself like um, living that long? Because we're no. in our 30s, right? Yeah. And I sometimes feel that like the half of my life has, has passed. I mean, technically, almost, right? Right. When you get to about 40, for a man anyway, mm. average life expectancy is around 80, mm. depending on the country. But yeah. I mean, you've, you've got better chances than me because Japanese genes, you know? Ah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think the average in Japan, it's like... I can't remember the exact number, but I know like Japanese men and women have the longest life expectancy. Especially women. Yeah. Yeah. Their average uh, life expectancy should be close to 19. Yeah. Yeah. I think men, it's more close across the board, but still the Japanese men do have the longest life expectancy in the world. Mm, relatively, so yeah, um, yeah. I'm a little bit jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But 117 years mm. is, you know... Beyond that, right? It's Far beyond isn't it? that. Yeah. So yeah, he was born in 1903, before the First World War, the Second World War, uh-huh. all of this stuff, right? Um, so yeah, one thing I thought was really cool about her story was that she's the uh, the seventh of nine siblings. Mm. You know, and in current day Japan, with declining populations, mm. and I, I hear that the average family having like 1.4 children or something like yeah, that. It's yeah. quite low, right? Yeah. Back in like 1903, was that still quite rare to have nine children or was it, you know, were families bigger back then? Um, yeah. I mean, the family was a lot bigger mm. and it was, I I heard that it's quite common to have like nine or uh, 10 siblings. Oh, wow. That was common. Mm. Wow. Cool. Mm. <laughs> I mean, uh, back then, like having like three kids was even considered uh, having a small family. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, crazy. and many people with all due respect, uh, couldn't even bother to give unique names mm. to each of their children <laughs> really? or each of their child. Yeah. So, um, Taro was mm. a very common name mm. for the, the eldest son mm. and Jiro was a name for the second son mm. and Saburo, Shiro, mm. Goro. Uh, right, and okay. y- you know, uh, their names all starts with the the numbers, yeah, basically. Yeah. Except for Taro, yeah. Taro is like uh, means thick or mm. big, so that's different. But for Jiro Saburo, you know, Jiro's G is uh number two, two yeah. right? Saburo is like Sang, yeah, so, uh, three. Yeah, no, that's interesting. So yeah, her her name, her first name, uh, Kane, because we're talking about mm. names a lot this episode. Mm. Uh, it could mean like uh, money or bell. But it's kind of written a bit different in in her case, right? Yeah. I mean, I just checked her name and I also thought the kanji used for her name, Kane, mm. was uh, the one for gold or, mm. you know, uh, wealth, right? Mm. But it seems that that's not the case. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's a combination. I've never seen uh, someone's name like this, but mm. it's a combination of uh, katakana alphabet and kanji. Kane's ka is written in katakana mm. and uh, ne is uh, written in kanji. Mm. Uh, and that's a uh, kanji for a uh, child. Mm. Mm. That's odd, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, usually uh, her kanji is read as ko. 
yeah. these days. But yeah, if you read it in Onyomi, as yeah. we kind of you know discuss in the the Biden story, yeah, it can be read as ne. But it's so like I I've never seen uh someone's name like this in mm. the you know today's world. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's very interesting, and that kind of amplifies the point of like how old this lady is. Yeah, yeah, you know, like uh, she's got a name that even you haven't seen. Mm. You know, or that kind of the way that it's constructed. Maybe back in her day. Maybe maybe it's more of like a Kyushu thing because she's from Fukuoka, right? Possibly, it could be like a local right. tradition or I, I, I really don't know, but it's super interesting. Mm, it's really interesting because, I mean, she's almost 120 years old, mm. right? So that's like, what, like three or four generations ago. <laughs> yeah. It's almost two lifetimes, right? Mm. So yeah, here's all the best to uh, Tanaka-san. Um, I hope she, you know, stays Genki um, and I hope she enjoys uh, carrying the torch next year. I hope it goes ahead. She can still do it. And I'm sure despite, you know, all the many experiences she's had in her lifetime, I'm sure this might be one of the the greatest memories (laughs) she'll have. Yeah, I suppose so. Okay, so that wraps it up for all the news stories this episode. Now let's jump into our final segment of the show, Word of the Week. So today, I'm going to introduce you to a new word, which I found in the news article this week. Okay. The word of the week is Hatsukosu. Hatsukosu. Hmm. Kosu. Hmm. Hatsukosu. Okay. So it must be two words, right? Yeah. That's a good starting point. Kosu. Is it like kospa? Is that kos? Cost? That's one thing. Okay. Uh, but in this case, it's hmm. different. Costume. Ah, uh, close. Uh, Super close. Costu- uh, Cos- cosplay? Ah, uh, yeah. Cosplay. You got it right. Oh, okay. Okay, I mean, if that's the case then, mm. Hatsune Miku cosplay. Oh, interesting. No? <laughs> yeah, but it's very interesting you okay. mentioned because uh, it's very close and oh. uh, it's basically the same uh, kanji for Hatsu. Oh, really? But you you know the meaning of Hatsu? Like start, right? Yeah. Like Hatsumode. It's like the first uh-huh. day of the year. Yeah, exactly. So uh it means the the start or initial mm. or the very first. Mm. So when those two words are combined, right. what does it mean? Oh, just like like a first time cosplayer. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's right. Oh, like a virgin cosplayer. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> On the virgin road. So to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So we all know that the the Demon Slayer or Kimetsu no Yaiba has been a social uh, phenomenal trend throughout mm, Japan, right? Okay, I see. Like, uh, you know, Japan is known for all those like otaku stuff, like mm. uh, animes and games. Mm. But uh, to be fair, most Japanese people, I would say majority of them, have never tried uh, cosplays before, including yeah, myself. Yeah, mm. yeah. But the, the Demon Slayer or Kimetsu is so popular in Japan today. Mm. And so it, it's kind of like lowering the threshold for people to try out cosplay for the first time. Oh, yeah, I see. Yeah, it's less niche. Yeah. So you're less uh, less vulnerable to ridicule. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And, you know, try to dress up like a Kimetsu character. Sure, sure. And I thought about why, mm. uh, but I think one reason is that uh, many Japanese uh, animes are set in the Western world, right? I mean, the the characters of uh, many Japanese animes mm. 
look quite uh, Western, don't they? Yeah, they're usually like quite European. Mm. Uh, if I even if I think about something like really popular like Attack on Titan, mm. you know, all the characters like Jaeger mm. and uh, Berthold, they're all uh-huh. like German names, right? Right. And the town right. always looks European. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. yeah, I see what you I see where you're coming from. Or you know, uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Oh yeah, true. Like, yeah. You know, it first started in Britain, I believe. Yeah, Great Britain. Great Britain. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Yeah. yeah. But Great only Britain. only Jotaro is Japanese, right? All the other Jotaro characters are. And uh, the characters in season four. Oh, that yeah. Took place in Japan. Sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah. But still, yeah, uh, many of them are either British or American. Um, so, for example, uh, Giorno from season five. He mm. looks like a, an Italian supermodel, right? Sure, yeah. <laughs> so, in that sense, Uh, Kimetsu characters are, you know, 100% Japanese. Mm, I see. And even their, you know, their clothing mm. are quite traditional, like Japanese style. Yeah, true, yeah. Mm. So I think for people that have been interested in cosplay, I think, mm. you know, Kimetsu is a pretty good starting point. Right, well, very interesting, Asu. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all for this week in Japan. Whichever platform that you're listening to us on, make sure that you're subscribed for a new episode every single week. Thanks for listening, everyone. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching Japan Insider. Okay, everybody, so stay healthy, stay safe, and、uh, yeah, if the quarantine is lifted anytime soon and you're allowed to go to a party and you've never tried cosplay before, maybe you'll be a Hatsukosu and <laughs> give it a go. Maybe you can go as Tanjiro from Kimetsu no Yaiba. Very easy costume to do. <laughs> And we'll be back next week for the very next episode of This Week in Japan. Bye.